Well, good morning, church. Glad you guys are here. How many of you ready for Christmas? Anybody? Only the kids. Great. Okay, so today we're going to wrap up. Uh, we'll just let that pass. We're going to wrap up our series, our mini-series called Christmas Rerun. And I kind of want to remind you the heart behind the series is the idea that, you know, we all know what reruns are and we all have watched reruns of old shows and reruns just provide a sense of familiarity to all that's going on in those shows. But the truth is, there's a phrase that came out in the 1300s that I've been thinking about a lot during the season, and that's the phrase of familiarity breeds what? Contempt. That you can become so familiar with someone or something that it loses a sense of awe, reverence, and wonder. And I just was thinking, is it possible during this Christmas season that that might be our story? That maybe we know the Christmas story so much, we've heard the story so much, we've, we've, got all, we've seen all the nativities and we've been to all the Christmas productions and we know it so much, is it so familiar that some of us, it's breeded some contempt. That Christmas story has lost its awe, its wonder and reverence in our lives. So this series has been driven by, let's get the awe back. Let's get the wonder back of the story of Christmas. So we began the journey by looking at Mary. We looked at Mary, this, this Jewish girl, 12 to 13 years old, who was living a familiar Jewish girl's life. On her way, she was betrothed, on her way to being married and spending the rest of her life and living happily, what? Ever after, right? But yet God interrupts her life. And God interrupts her life and says, you're going to have a son, not only a son, but it's going to be the son of the Most High God. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. And, and you think about the story with Mary. I mean, she didn't know why God chose her. She didn't know how all this was going to work out. But at the end of the day, Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, I'm in. She responded in faith. And I think as we think about that story, there's a, there's a beautiful wonder to the fact of, that God still interrupts lives, doesn't he? Have you ever been interrupted by God in your life? I bet you have. And God still does that. Why? Because he's got a plan and a purpose. And then we moved on to the Magi last week. We talked. For some of you, I just totally wrecked your nativity last week, and I'm so sorry about that. But truth is more important than your nativity set. I'm just going to tell you. And so last week, we talked about the Magi, and we talked about who they were and what they were about. But what I love most about the story of the wise men was this, is that these guys were pagans, and they were studying the stars, and God met them right where they were at. A star rose up, a star that had never been there. Now was there, and they followed the star, and eventually it led them to the baby and a house, this young child in a house, King Jesus. And I just find wonder in the fact that God is amazing at meeting all of us where we're at. Some of us are on a terribly wrong road. Some of us are on a road of mediocrity. Some of us are on a road of just searching and kind of trying to figure this thing out. And what I loved about the story of the wise men is God will meet you wherever you're at. He's going to ask you to clean yourself up, fix your life up, look like the person beside you. He's just willing to meet you right where you're at, just like he did the wise men. And so I hope those stories, and as we looked at those, bring a sense of wonder and awe back to the Christmas story. There's one more thing I want us to look at, and it's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. I want us to read the rest of the Christmas story. So if you don't mind, I know you were seated, but if you'll stand with me, I want to read Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. This is what the word of God says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with what? Come on, they were filled with what? With great fear. 
And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And if this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Beth, over there to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went and with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds what they told them. But Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all they heard and seen and all that had been told to them. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. And I pray as we look at maybe the most familiar passage of the Christmas story, that you would bring our heart a sense of wonder this morning, that you would bring our heart a sense of awe this morning as we dive into this. God, be with us, bless us, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this story, as we begin to navigate the story there's a couple of things I want you to know. So there's really four points I'm going to come to, but really the first two points are about an invitation. When you think about the Christmas story, when you read the story that we just went through, there's really this strong sense of an invitation that happens. And at the end of the story, there is a couple of ways that these shepherds respond. So the first invitation I want you to look with me is this invitation to come and see the gift of Jesus. Come and see this gift of Jesus. Look with me in verse 8 again. He says this in verse 8, and the same region there were shepherds out in the flock in the field, uh, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Who were the, shepherd, who were the angels talking to? I just gave it away. Who were they talking to? These shepherds, right? Now, what I want you to notice about these shepherds, it says they were in the region, and they were keeping watch over the, their, their, their sheep. What were they doing? What they always did, right? They were being shepherds. Like Mary, they are living the same rerun every single day. The same familiar story that they did yesterday, they are doing it again today. They're out there, they're tending to their sheep, they're watching their flocks, they're chasing the stupid sheep and they're bringing them back. Some of them, they got to break their leg and they got to carry them. But I mean, they are doing what they do every single day. The life of familiarity, the life of rerun, just tending to the sheep. And all of a sudden, angels appear. Without any announcement, they just show up. And it says, the glory of the Lord surrounded them. Now, I don't know what that looks like. But I would love to know what that looks like, wouldn't you? I mean, I can't imagine the brightness of this moment. That here are these shepherds hanging out, probably talking about which is the dumbest of all of the sheep. And they're, they're just chit-chatting out there. And they're, they're doing their, what they're supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, angels appear and the glory of the Lord shone around them. This was a twilight zone moment if there was ever one, right? It's like, what? And I love what it says. And they were filled with what? Great Fear. You know what that translates as? They were super scared. That's what it means. They were super scared of what they saw. And then the angels had the audacity to say this, fear not. In other words, chill out, guys, right? Now, why did I bring this up? Because in this story, it's not that unusual to what we saw in Mary. We see this, these guys living a familiar life, and God interrupts their life. 
and he interrupts it with this announcement. The angel says, I bring you good news that will provide great joy as opposed to great fear, great joy, and it will be for all people. See, at this point, these shepherds are scared to death. And these angels say, listen, we've got an announcement for you. And here's the announcement. We want you to come and see the gift of Jesus. We want you to come and see. Listen, we're bringing you good news. Now, if you were a Jewish shepherd, what would be good news? Well, what would be good news is if everything you've been told as a kid had come true, right? I mean, as a Jewish shepherd, even though there were some issues with them going to temple and making sacrifices because they were viewed as unclean because of the job they had, they still would have known the stories. They still would have heard the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. And so when this angel shows up, listen, if an angel ever appears to you, I've got some really good advice. You ready? Listen. Pay attention. Because it doesn't happen every day, does it? I mean, when you look at Scripture, God had been silent 400 years. In the span of 15 months, he speaks to Zechariah, to Mary, and now to the shepherds. Right? God showed up and offers them this invitation. We sang it a while ago, come and see what the Lord has done. That's what they were saying. Come and see the gift of Jesus. That was the invitation here. They said, we have good news. Here's the good news. The one that you've heard about, the one that you've been waiting for, the one that have been century after century after century, all this oral tradition and all these scriptures that have been passed down that you're aware of, it is happening. And this good news will bring great what? Joy. Now that word joy, we talked about it two weeks ago, that word joy means a perpetual gladness. Now why would this good news bring great joy? Here's why. Because when you look at the story, the angels aren't saying, Jesus is coming. What are they saying? Jesus is here. There's a big difference, isn't there? And that news that the one you've been waiting on, the one you've been hearing the stories, the one you know all the prophecies of, that one, you don't have to wait anymore. Guess why? Because he is here. Let me just put it this way. If I told you, because we all the time as believers, we're talking about the second coming of Christ. We can't wait for Jesus to return. We can't wait for that moment. What would you do if I said, hey, the wait is over. He's in the front lobby. What would you do? I mean, I hope you'd be knocking people over, getting all the way out there, right? You're like stiff-arming some Heisman pull there, and you're doing all you can. Why? Because how many of you cannot wait to the day that you see him face-to-face? See, there's a difference in anticipation and a difference in joy. And he says, listen, this good news is about to change your life. This good news is going to produce something in you because the wait is over. Oh, and by the way, this good news that brings great joy Guess what? It's for everybody. Hey, shepherds, it's for you too. It is for everybody. The good news of Christ doesn't discriminate against anyone. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what your background looks like. The good news is for everyone. So this message to the shepherds, this announcement is, I want you to come and see the gift of Jesus. Good news has come. Jesus, we don't have to wait for him anymore. He is here, and this will produce a joy in your life because you get to see him. We want you to be a part of this, and this good news, guess what? It's for everyone. No one is excluded. Now, when I read that, I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible, do you ever just pause and ask questions like, why? Anybody ever do that? You ought to. Why? 
Why would God announce the greatest birth announcement in all of human history to shepherds out tending the stupid sheep? Why, why, the, these sheep that are ignorant, dumb, whatever. Why would he make this announcement there? Why go to the, Why not go to the city of Jerusalem? Why not make the announcement to all the priests? Why not make the announcement to the religious elite? Why go to the shepherds to make this announcement? I'll tell you why. Because this announcement was for all people. And if this announcement is for all people, who better to go to than the shepherds? you know who the shepherds were? Marginalized, forgotten, and overlooked. And that society, they were marginalized, they were forgotten, and they were overlooked. They were the bottom of the barrel socially. And if this good news that provides great joy is for everybody, who better to make the announcement to than these lowly, lowly shepherds? So they offer this invitation. Come and see the gift of Jesus. Listen, he's here. And guess what, shepherds? This is for you too. It's not just for the religious elite in Jerusalem. It's not just for the priest. It's not for those who just have their life together. It's for those who are the down and out. This is for you too, shepherds. I want you to be part of this. There's an invitation there. There's a second invitation, and it's come and see not just the gift of Jesus, but I want you to come and see the greatness of Jesus. Look at me in verse 11. I love this verse. For unto you born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is so much in that one verse. In that one verse, these angels announced the greatness of our Savior. He first announced that he is the fulfillment of all that's been prophesied. They said, in the city of David. See, all the way back into the Old Testament, there was prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of a coming Messiah. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, a person who was going to come that was going to crush the head of the serpent, right? And then you go to the book of Isaiah, and you go to Daniel. There's these prophecies of a son of God that's going to come. There's these prophecies of one that's going to come that's going to be born in the city of David. And so when he makes his announcement, he's saying that this one that has come, he is great. Why? Because he's a fulfillment of everything we've been waiting for. Now, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I know there's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament, and the likelihood of that happening, that every single one of them are fulfilled, is like one, and then it's almost to infinity. But in Jesus, all of them are fulfilled. He is great. Why? Because he is the promise. God kept his promise in Bethlehem on that day, and it's Jesus. And then he says something else about his greatness. He said, he is the savior of the world. He is the one who's come to rescue all of humanity. He's the one who come to set his people free. I don't know if you know this or not, but every single one of us have a sin problem. Anybody else agree with that? Some of you are like, I'm not so sure. You do. I promise you do, right? Every single one of us have a sin problem. Every single one of us need to be rescued. And there's only one person that can rescue us, and it's King Jesus. Why? Because he is the Savior of the world. If you believe that church, say amen. So he says, I want you to come experience the greatness of Jesus because he's the fulfillment, but he's also He's the Savior of the world. And then he says he is the Savior who is Christ. That word Christ in the Greek means Messiah or anointed one. 
In other words, he's the one before the foundations of the world who was always the plan. I don't know if you know this or not. God didn't wake up one day because God never sleeps nor he slumbers. God didn't wake up one day and go, you know what? Humanity's getting kind of bad. And everything I've done at this point is just not working out too well. So what are my other options? Any, many, many, mo, right? Jesus, you lose. I'm sending you. That, that's not what happened. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was always the plan. He is the anointed one of God. He is the anointed king. He's the anointed mediator between God and humanity. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. See, this announcement is not just, hey, come check this baby out. Like When you have kids, don't we do that? Hey, come check my baby out. And I know we all think our babies are beautiful. They may not be. I just want you to know that. They may not be, right? Because they like are blue and they look like scrunched up and they got a lot of wrinkles. I don't know. I mean, none of my kids were cute. I'm just going to tell you, I love all of them. But they, they had to grow into cuteness and then they grew out of them. But anyway, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? It wasn't this moment of, hey, just come see this baby. It was an invitation to come and see the gift of Jesus. But listen, not only the gift of Jesus, but the greatness of Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all prophecy. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Christ, the anointed one. But then he says my favorite thing less. He is Christ what? The Lord. Guess what? He's God. I often like to say it this way. He is God in a bod. Right? Jesus became flesh. Right? God became what? One of us. He says, here's the greatness of our Savior. He's the fulfillment of all things. He is Savior. He is Messiah. He is the, the Christ. But he is Lord. He is God in the flesh. Now, if you're the shepherds setting out on this field watching your sheep, do you have a sense of joy in your heart in this moment? Not that just he's coming, but he is here. The Savior of the world. The Christ, God in flesh, has arrived. Man, think about this moment. These shepherds are invited to come and see the gift of Jesus. Come and see the greatness of Jesus. He is God, and he's the anointed one who's going to bring salvation to the world. Man, what an incredible invitation. Now, the story goes on. I want you to look at a couple of their responses. Look with me. In uh, verse 17 through 20. I'm sorry, verse 12. Verse 12. Look at the response. Verse 12. And they, the angel told him, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Skip over to verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went in haste, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Here's what I love about the story. Come and see. The invitation to come and see turned into go and see. The invitation to come and see turned into them going and seeing. How do the shepherds respond to these two invitations? What do they do? Well, you know, I don't know what we ought to do. I, the sheep are still out here. We still got to take care of the sheep. What do they do? What does the Bible say they did? The angels disappeared and what do they do? Come on, what do they do, church? They went, right? They got off their backside. They left the sheep. I don't know what happened to the sheep, but they just left, and they said, we're going to go see this thing. What I love about the story is you don't see them overthinking. You don't see them go, you know what? Hey, guess what? Hey, Marty, we're shepherds. We're the outcast. 
We can't even go into the temple the way that we are right now. We can't even go worship because of our job unless we go through all this ritual ceremonies to get cleaned up. We can't even go do that. And we have an invitation to go meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we don't have to clean anything up. We just get to show up. They don't see any of that overthinking, do we? Now, here's why I say that. Because all of us overthink way too much. All of us, when God calls us, God moves, we back up, we pause, we sit down, we push the pause button, and we start overthinking everything. Some of us has just got to, quite frankly, get out of our heads. When God calls, just go. When God jumps, when God says jump, you just start jumping. And these shepherds, when this invitation happened, they followed, they accepted the invitation. They weren't overlooking any, overthinking anything. And it says here what they did. They went, and they were given some information. Here's how you know you found the Savior of the world. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now pause just for a minute. You're shepherds. You've heard the stories of a king that's coming. Is that the description you expected to hear of this king that had come? No. You thought you would hear something like this. You will find a baby wrapped in royal garments, gold and purple, purple. And he will be placed in a beautiful gold bassinet in the middle of the castle in Jerusalem. That's what you would have expected to hear. But instead, here's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he's lying in a manger. And we know what the manger is, right? We know the manger wasn't this beautifully pitched roof that you have in your house that provided all this cover. It was a cutout in the stone. It was a stone cave where animals would gather together to get away from all the weather that would come that way. This was not a luxurious place. This was like a motel, not a hotel kind of moment, right? This was nothing glamorous about this at all. A motel moment without the M. You know what I'm talking about, right? It was that kind of moment. And they went. But what I love about it says they went in haste. You know what that word haste means? Urgency. They went quickly. Now, if you're the shepherds, you're on this, 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 this field, and you're, you're, you're watching your sheep, and this announcement comes, and this invitation comes, come, come see the gift of Jesus, come see the greatness of Jesus, and all this happens, and you get up and go, I mean, why in the world would they go with haste? Why would they urgently? It means the idea that they didn't even consider the sheep. They just got up and took off. It's kind of like some of us men at Thanksgiving when they say, dinner served. I mean, we just go, right? We forget everything we're doing, we come brain dead, and we just go. That's what they did. Why? Why go in haste? Because, listen to this, because they knew that this moment would change everything. They knew that this moment would change everything that had ever been taught. This notion that they had been taught that somehow you've got to live a life of, of doing this and not doing this somehow to appease God, that changes this. This life where we have to now go to a temple and offer sacrifice and somehow God will forgive us of our sin, this changes that. This notion that only the religious elite are the ones that are blessed and used by God, this changes that. By them going in haste, they're saying, we understand the birth of the Savior who is Christ the Lord. This changes everything. And they went with urgency. Come and see led to go and see. There's one more thing I want you to notice, and it's this. Go and see eventually led to go and tell. I don't know about you, but somebody just real quick here. We got 
Just somebody tell me your favorite Christmas carol. I'm talking about things you sing in church. Am I talking about Santa's coming to town or I saw Mama kiss the Santa Claus? Am I talking about those songs? What is your favorite Christmas carol? Just somebody just shout it out. Oh, come all you faithful. Shout it out because I really can't hear very much. What? Drummer boy. Okay. All right. Cameron and Matt, you like that, right? What else? What's your favorite Christmas carol? Oh, holy night, right? What child is this? Silent night. What else? Come on. What else? Joy to the world. What? Somebody say, Mary, did you know? Yes, she did. Remember, I talked about that already. She did. Listen, can I tell you one of the Christmas songs we don't sing enough? Go tell it on the mountain. See, the story didn't stop with them appearing at the manger, did it? It didn't stop there. Let's go back. Look look what it says in verse 17. Let's Let's go back. Verse 17. Look what it says here. And when they saw it, talking about the manger... They may known the saying that had been told them concerning the child and all who heard it and wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured things and pondered them under heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and all that had been told to them. I think one of the songs we should sing a lot more at Christmas time is Go Tell It on the Mountain. Why? Because these guys who had this invitation, they went. They took come and see to go and see. But go and see turns into go and tell. See, these guys' lives was changed so much, they refused to keep their mouth shut. Are you with me on that, church? I mean, when they showed up, they couldn't wait to tell Mary and Joseph all they'd seen and heard. And everybody who got within earshot of these shepherds had to have heard the message. And when they left there, it says they were worshiping and they were praising. I mean, listen, hear me on this, church. Please hear me. What they experienced was something they knew they would never, ever get over. And it changed how they lived. Can I tell you what I think one of the greatest issues in the life of a believer is? Including this guy sometimes. I think we've gotten over our salvation. I think we've gotten over the wonder and the awe that I was dead, sinful, wretched, and Jesus rescued me. I think we've gotten over that. I think we've gotten even to the place where not only we've gotten over it, but we've become entitled. We think he owes us something. He didn't owe you anything. And I pray as we look at this story, we've got some shepherds that were so blown away with what they've seen. Their lives were so changed by what they experienced, they couldn't stop talking about it. If you have kids in the room, do you remember when your kids were born? Come on, do you remember when your kids were born? Not a rhetorical question. You remember that? Did you share that with other people? Did you continue to talk about it? Yes. In fact, some of you still are annoying about those things, right? I mean, like when you, somebody tells a story about their kid, you try to one-up them with a story about your kid. We still do that stuff, don't we? And if you're not laughing, you're the person we're talking about, right? We know that. These guys were so blown away with what happened, they couldn't stop talking about it. When's the last time you talked about Jesus? When's the last time we talked about what he's done in our lives and for us and with us and through us? When's the last time people around us knew something was different about us? When's the last time we left a worship service glorifying and praising and worshiping God, even when we got outside the walls, in our car, and even in our workplace? When's the last time what Jesus has done for us so changed us that we haven't gotten over it? See, that's the wonder of Christmas I want us to have again. It wasn't about a baby born in the manger. It was about the Son of God who came to this world, who would die on a cross so that we might be saved. That's what the story's about. And so come and see led to go and see, and go and see led to go and tell, right? 
And when you look at this story, I find it beautiful to see the imagination. I mean, the, the invitation that's offered. The response that these guys responded with. And I guess as I think about them leaving, celebrating, I wonder, why would they be so outward in all that they were saying? Is it possible that when they were sharing and praising and worshiping God, that other people saw their joy and said, I want some of that? You think that's possible? I want some of that. Can I tell you whether you believe it or not, people are watching you. If people around you know that you love Jesus and you're going to church, even if you're not outward about it or not, they're watching you. And they need to see such a joy of Christ in your life, how he's changed you and what he's done for you. And even during difficult times, how you lean on him, they need to see that in your life because they're one day going to wake up and go, I want what they have because something's different about them. That's the story of these shepherds. So we've got this invitation. Come and see the gift of Jesus. Come and see the greatness of Jesus. And come and see led to them going and seeing, which eventually led to them going and telling. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. I don't know where you're at, but here's what I do know. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, and you've never trusted Christ. You've never, you're kind of, you, you're, you kind of know this Christian thing, this church thing, but you've never really begun on a journey on your own life. You've never really started that journey. These shepherds, when they heard it, they began the journey. They traveled. And for some of you this morning, maybe the journey you need to be going on is the journey to come and see. You just need to come and see who Jesus is. In fact, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus calls Matthew. He says, follow me. But if you translate that out, what he's saying is, I'm not asking you to buy in. I'm asking you just to come check me out. Just come see. Now, why would Jesus say that? Because he knew that if you come and see, you're going to get bought in. If you come and see my magnitude of love for you, if you come and see the sacrifice I'm going to make for you, if you come and see how much I care about you and want to use you, you're going to get bought in. And so for some of you today, maybe you just need to come and see. So Doug, I don't know where to begin. Well, let us help you. Let us help you on that journey beyond the birth, but let us help you talk about the life that Jesus lived. Let us help you see the stories of how Jesus interacted with people and met them where they were and cared for people that nobody else cared for. Let us tell you the stories of how Jesus loved you so much that he went to a cross and he died for you. Let us help you, but you've got to decide you want to come and see. Well, Doug, how can you help me? Well, you can meet me right outside, and I would love to begin that journey with you. It's not a one-shot moment. It's going to be of a course of months, but I would love to meet with you and say, here's what Jesus has done for you. Come and see the goodness of our God. And some of you need to do that. Then there's some of you in the room today, man, you've been exposed to all of it, but today you just need to come and receive, right? You need to come and go, I need Jesus. I've heard it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Today I'm in. Today I accept Christ. You need to come and receive. And then for the rest of us, those of us that are believers in the room, we need to go and tell. Amen, church? Amen. And listen, has Jesus changed your life? Yes. Come on, come on. Has Jesus changed your life? Yes. Does anybody in your circle know that? Man, I hope so. And I hope as you leave here today that you will make a commitment to go and tell, that you would refuse to be silent instead of refusing to speak out. And if you're a believer, would you make a commitment today that between now and Christmas that you're going to go and you're going to tell, well, Doug, I don't know what to say. Just say what the shepherd said. Here's what I've heard. Here's what I know. Here's what I've experienced, and it's changed my life. And leave the rest to God. Go 
and tell. Let's all stand together if you would. Everybody stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God, I love you. I thank you for this moment we have together today. God, I love this story because I love this, the, the beautiful invitation these, sh- these angels offered these shepherds. This invitation to meet King Jesus, but more important, this, this invitation to see the greatness of the one that has come. The one who is Savior, Messiah, and the one who is God. I thank you for that, Lord. And God, as I read this story, I'm blown away and thank you for how the shepherds responded. These guys who are forgotten, who are marginalized, who overlooked, didn't care about any of that. They responded with urgency to go see the king that had been born. And because of what they experienced, Lord, their lives were never the same. God, I want that to be our story. I want those here today, Lord, that, that maybe just kind of familiar with you, but that's it, that they would come and see your goodness. They would come and see your love. I'd pray for, Lord, for those that have come and saw that they would come and receive it, that they would say, yes, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. But God, today my heart is breaking for believers that we got to go and tell. How will they know if they don't hear? Jesus, I know almost everybody in this room, and I know so many of them are love you and are living for you, but God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would create an urgency in us to go and tell. We have a message of hope in a world that is hopeless, a message of joy in a world that is broken, and God, shame on us if we don't go tell about the goodness of Jesus. So God, would you birth a fire in us this morning? Would you create a non-negotiable kind of heart this morning that says, I am going to tell my neighbors. I'm going to tell my spouse. I'm going to tell my coworkers. I'm going to tell my kids that Jesus has changed me and he can change you too. God, give us the boldness this week. God, we need you. I pray that this Christmas is not a rerun of every other Christmas we've experienced. But today, we would regain our sense of wonder and awe of what you've done for us. And then we would have the courage to go and tell. God, I love you. Thank you for today and all that you do. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Now look this way. Maybe you just need to come and see this morning. Or come and receive. Jason and Kelly Belcher are right there behind the curtains. Love to talk to you. Pat and Willie Whittington are right behind the curtains. Love to talk to you. I'll be right here. Love to talk to you. But don't let this moment pass you by. But if you're a believer in the room, man, would you make a commitment this morning to the Lord that I'm going to go and tell. Not, not, hey, I hope my wife does it. (laughs) I hope my husband does it. Oh, I hope my kids do it. No, no, no. You. You. That you would go and tell. And if that's a commitment you're willing to make, I say this altar is open. Come and make that commitment to the Lord and just see what he does. Just see how he might show up. Just see how their heart might be softened to hear the truth and their lives could be changed just like your life is changed. But it starts with a commitment to go and to tell. So however the Lord is leading you, would you respond as we continue to worship this morning?